So if you are really old, I mean, really old, I mean, older than me, sort of grey actual sort of age, that sort of age, uh, you might remember that old line from Betty Davis in All About Eve when she said, fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night. Well, that was sort of the warning, wasn't it, from one Fed official last week about the CPI numbers. Not a bumpy night, but a bumpy year, perhaps, that it's going to take longer to get inflation down. Well, the PPI numbers told the same story on Friday, so could it all take a bit longer? It's Monday, the 19th of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, there were small moves in the US dollar on Friday, Ian. Even though it did spike in the middle of the week, it pretty much finished the week the same place where it started. Um, well, and 0.2% up anyway, not much. And that's why the Aussie dollar was in the same place at 65.3 US cents. The same deal for the euro. That didn't really move. But the pound was down a quarter percent over the week last week. But, you know, all pretty small moves. Uh, Friday was a down day for US stocks as well. The Nasdaq lost 0.8%. Uh, the S&P was down half a percent, whereas Europe was racing ahead 1.5% for the FTSE 100, half percent for the Eurostoxx 50. So over the week, the Nasdaq was down 1.3% despite the ups and downs, whereas the Eurostoxx 50 was up over 1% last week. And at home, the ASX 200 was up over the week, but less than 0.2%. And the S&P just hanging above that psychological 5,000 level, but only just, you know, a bad day today, and it could go back down. Well, actually, not today, because they're on holiday in the United States. So at least they'll last till Tuesday. Uh, but it was a week of rising bond yields over the week. Australian 10-year yields rose about six basis points to 4.21%. 10-year treasuries were up 12 basis points to 4.2%. 8% over the week, but German 10 year buns and UK 10 year gilts uh, only a couple of basis points higher uh, last week. And oil, Brent finished at 83.50 a barrel, only a dollar 30 higher than the week before. So, why the weakness on Friday with stocks lower, yields rising? Let's talk about that with NAB's uh, Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. Guess it was the PPI numbers on Friday, wasn't it, from the US producer prices ticking higher than expected. Inflation is not dead. Yeah, yeah, that, that PPI number kind of repeating the same unhelpful surprise we saw on, on CPI earlier in the week, really, and, mm. you know, suggesting that, you know, once again, there are some, you know, odd things going on in January that is pushing that that data higher. But I think, you know, we talked after the, the CPI data about how some of the drivers there aren't aren't readily um, able to be extrapolated into the the kind of broader PCE measure that, that the Fed pr- prefers. You know, looking at the the surprise in the the PPI data as well, we had some upside surprises coming from from different places. But you know, I think it does say that a, a strong print on that PCE measure in January looks like a a decent bet as well. Something like a 0.4 percent month on month, which would certainly be a a reacceleration from the the kind of very uh, good news that we saw out of that data through through Q4, and this is the this is the proof in the pudding, then, isn't it? From what Michael Barr was saying on on Thursday, that you know the path to two percent inflation is is going to be a bumpy one. Here's the evidence. Yeah, yeah, and I think you've heard that from from Fed Fed speakers more broadly. Certainly, Barkin over the weekend was saying that this is you know. You know, validating the the approach that they're taking, they they want to see more data. They're not yet um, completely confident that inflation is you know durably getting back to that two percent target. And you know, it might not all be all be in in one direction. I do think though that you know, looking across the detail again, similar with to the the assessment out of the CPI, it's you know January is is difficult to seasonally adjust. There were a few volatile components in in terms of kind of hospital services, accommodation prices that were driving some of the upsides of 
enterprise in in PPI. And so while it's certainly not not helpful, um, it will mean that that all of those kind of you know three and six month rates tick back up above um, the the Fed's target through the when the PCE data is eventually revealed. There's nothing that's necessarily flashing, you know, warning signs that this is the start of a, a durable reacceleration. Um, but, you know, it does certainly doesn't give the Fed any reason not to kind of continue with that that patient mantra that they've been mm. um, that they've been on on recently. So the Michigan Fed inflation expectations, they ticked up a little bit as well. Which is not good, is it? Because, I mean, obviously, it's like a rolling year, month, you know, for the one year out. And you'd be hoping, if we're wanting to see inflation come down, that that number would gradually be going down month on month. Otherwise, it's just holding at the same rate means you're delaying inflation coming down. So for it to actually go up, from t- if that made sense to anybody, for it to go up from 2.9% to 3%, uh, then that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, it's a bit of an open question how much those short-term inflation expectations numbers really, really lead. Um, inflation, you know, we have seen, we have seen progress on, on inflation recently and, and, you know, um, that short-term inflation expectation measure can just tend to kind of chop around but broadly follow recent trends. So I don't think there'll be too much concern from that. But certainly, you know, continuing to, to fall away would would be would be a source of more comfort. And when when policymakers are, you know, just looking for that accumulation of more comfort that that inflation is is continuing to head in the right direction. This is, you know, not something on the, the right side of the ledger there. Um, I think, you know, broadly inflation expectations in that survey as well, the the um, five to ten year inflation expectation, which is kind of you know a more useful indicator of whether um, those those longer term inflation expectations are starting to drift, that was still unchanged at two point nine percent, where it's been for for some time. So so nothing on either side of the ledger there either. One piece of good news, I think, from that um, that survey, and I think it does speak to again some of this difficulty in interpreting the data around around year end with you know seasonal adjustment issues and and other things, is that the the consumer confidence measure did pick up and it was driven by the expectations index as well, which which rose to, to 78.4. Um, and so that is, you know, well above its, its levels late last year. And, you know, it certainly would be tough to reconcile that soft retail sales number that we got for, for January uh, last week with this kind of continued improvement in, in consumer expectations, which tends to be a bit of a lead. So I think, you know, that is, is one data point that suggests that that kind of choppiness through through the data is something to watch out for and, and the US consumer probably not, you know, a, a market downshift in, in January as that, that retail sales number says at face value. And central bank speakers, I know we've had a couple from, from, from the US. We also had Isabel Schnabel from the ECB regurgitating the script. Monetary policy needs to remain restrictive until we are confident that inflation will sustainably return to our medium-term target, blah, 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 all the stuff we've heard before. As she did say, persistently low productivity growth increases the risk that firms may pass on higher wage costs onto consumers, which could delay inflation gold timing. So more of that, you know, not a soft landing for Europe. Well, we know that sort of, don't we? So uh, not really much change in attitude. Everybody now is saying, well, hang on, it's going to take longer. Yeah, yeah. So more of that that same patience and, you know, Schnabel's been been on this kind of message for for a while concerned 
um, that you know maybe inflation not yet comfortable that inflation is kind of heading where where they need it to go. And I think you know speaking to some of the reason for for this, she did say um, that you know it's important to avoid the the stop and go policy like they had in in the seventies. And so they want to be cautious not to address adjust the policy stance prematurely. Um, and that just speaks to that you know there's still more evidence that they need to accumulate before cutting. That's a bit of a, a contrast as well. So you know from policy current policymakers, whether the, the ECB or the, the FOMC, the, the recent messages have, have been similar. Um, but it's, you know, worth noting as well that, you know, even with the, the recent data flow, you know, reasonable people can can disagree. We had um, the former St. Louis uh, president, uh, James Bullard, um, you know, making some remarks on, on the weekend as well. And, you know, he was drawing a, a bit of a contrast to that, um, that kind of patient approach, wanting to make sure that they're, you know, definitely on, on track before they start cutting he was making the point that it's probably wiser to go sooner and slower and he's worried that you know by the time we get into the third quarter um you know if inflation does come down as expected if growth starts to moderate back towards potential growth as, as expected in the us then you could be at, at a point there that by the time you have accumulated enough evidence you're going to have a policy rate that's too high so you know while that that message of patience is still pretty clear out of um, out of officials and the data flow is not giving them the green light to cut and as a result markets are kind of pushing out the timing of cuts there's certainly you know still still not um some disagreement out there and britain's shallow recession uh, well, it's not really that shallow is it in that if you look at uh, as the thing i was saying on, on friday if you look at gdp per capita i think it's seven quarters in a row where they've actually seen the economy going backwards uh, but a positive sign, though retail sales for January were strong, 3.4% month on month, basically replacing that 3.3% drop in December. And I think the expectation was they'd fall again. So that was a big upside surprise. Uh, yes, yes. And so definitely outstripping, you know, even the most the most optimistic um, estimates in, in the survey as well. Um, and, you know, just showing, you know, it is after a big slump in, in December, as you said, but it does speak to that point that while the, the second half of 2023 was was not a good picture for, for the UK consumer, some of those forward-looking survey indicators had suggested that it might be a better start into 2024. And, and this data, you know, is another vote in that direction. And, you know, big fall in, in January, um, in December, followed by a, a very large rise in, in January, you know, could, could be expecting to see some something similar in in Australia as well. And again, just one more of these data series that's difficult with shifting um, seasonal patterns. Yeah. All right. Well, look, uh, not much on today, is it? Because as I mentioned, it's a a holiday in the US. It's President's Day, so a federal holiday. Uh, We've got, well, machinery orders for Japan. I mean, you know, that's going to be interesting because, you know, the long story for Japan obviously is pretty interesting now that China is the world's number one car exporter. And I'm doing my bit for China this week. I'm I'm buying an electric, I'm buying a Volvo, which isn't that Swedish at all these days. Uh, And I think Germany is now, uh, with the latest GDP figures, Germany is now a bigger economy than Japan. So uh, will that machine order number add to the gloom? We'll see. Uh, But even though China might be doing well with electric cars, obviously the economy is struggling. Yet over the weekend, the PBOC decided they're going to keep the the one-year loan rate on hold. 
Yeah, that, that's right. So China back from, from Lunar New Year holiday and the, the PBSA did meet on Sunday and, and opted against cutting the rate. That was in line with consensus. There were a fair few analysts out there suggesting that they might uh, have been inclined to cut just given that inflation picture um, as, as well. Um, but, you know, it did look like it was, you know, concern about the, the yuan with, you know, rate expectations in, in the US being being pushed out and a bit of pressure on, on the on the yuan that kind of won the day against, against further monetary policy easing. Um, but, you know, I think it's also interesting there, you know, while the PBOC was on the on the sidelines uh, this month, you know, some some further easing, you know, does seem seem reasonably likely um, in, in coming months. And I think also, you know, not too much in the way of hard data flow, but, you know, it'll be worth watching out for uh, reports of how strong that, that travel season was. The Chinese consumer obviously has been very, very sluggish. Um, no, no, um, you know, activity data out, but, you know, we will get more and more reports, um, from, from other varied data sources about how that travel period went. Some of the early reports are suggesting that, you know, rail trips, for instance, were, were reasonably strong, um, you know, 61% higher than the COVID affected 2023 numbers, but, you know, pretty high, higher than they were pre pandemic as well. So maybe suggesting that there is some signs of life in the, the Chinese consumer around, around travel spending as well. Right. And, uh, the New Zealand Performance Services Index, uh, is out today as well this morning which was 48.8 last time below 50 so a slight contraction in the service sector uh, so what will it um, in fact it was below 56 times last year it's been basically struggling since June so uh, we get that today their manufacturing PMI on Friday also below 50 of course even though it was up a, a fair bit from last time and look it's a quiet week as well isn't it I mean I, unless I'm missing something I've got Canada's inflation numbers German IFO and um, hmm that's about it. You know, minutes from meetings. But other than that, yeah, we do have the preliminary PMIs um, on on Thursday as well. So that will be oh, in, okay. important for yeah. for Europe that that pulse of how things are going into into twenty twenty four. But yeah, with the with the President's Day holiday, it's reasonably quiet on on the US data calendar. We do get those FOMC minutes as as you said, and and a pretty full calendar of US Fed speakers as well, which you know will be interesting to kind of firm up how they're how they're reacting and whether they kind of continue to have comfort in the the, the, the trend in inflation is in the right direction. Governor Waller on Thursday is is worth looking out for there. Um, and then on the the local calendar, it's the the wage price index on on Wednesday that that looms large. Well, there we are. There's quite a bit on this week, then. <laughs> I've missed out PMIs and missed the wage price index. So both of those are really important. Okay, very good. Good to talk, Taylor. Catch you soon. Thanks, Phil. That's why these guys are here. Factual accuracy. Thank goodness for that. Uh, I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then.